it's gotten a lot more complex, but it, it really is worth it because email has a better ROI than anything else. In fact, it's four times higher than any other form of marketing, including social media. So it's well worth pursuing. Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application form at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hi, and welcome back to the My Future Business Show. My name is Rick Nusky. I'm the host of this wonderful show, and it's so nice having your feedback. It's warm, it's uplifting, it's humbling, and it's making all of the difference knowing that it's making a difference for you. Now, speaking of making a difference, today I'm on the line with Ed Fortel. How are you, Ed? I'm doing great. How are you, Rick? I'm wonderfully well. Thank you very much for asking. Now, for everybody who uh, does not know Ed, he is the wizard of email open rate optimization. But uh, before we talk about any of that, Ed, what we uh, I think we need to do is give some context to today's call by, I guess, unwrapping your life leading up to um, how it was that you became the wizard of email um, open rate optimization. So I, I've been looking through your bio and I can see um, back as far as 1998, you were building email automations. I'm wondering if we can um, start there. Yeah, it was very interesting. We started off with uh, a desktop application. It's called Postmaster. And no one was really using uh, autoresponders. And that's really what that was back then, just the ability to send out bulk email that was personalized. If you try to send out email one by one, it's pretty difficult, pretty mm. hard to do. And so when I was using that, it was maybe one of the first autoresponders out there. It worked extraordinarily well. It was weird back then. I didn't, I, I had a business, a consulting business where we were working with the real estate agents and um, we had a system to sell to them. And the way we did it was we were able to collect their email addresses, which probably would not uh, uh, bold too well nowadays, but it was fine back then. There were no rules when it came to email marketing. And then we sent out what I called a prospecting email. People would get it and we didn't have a website. So they got the email. They would then reply to that email. It would automatically send an order form to them. They'd have to print it, uh, fill it out with their credit card information, fax it back to me. Wow. And then I would fulfill the order. And it was like, but back then it was kind of like having a printing money printing machine. Yes. I would send out the emails and then within 30 minutes, the fax machine would just start going crazy. It was, uh, it was a great time. <laughs> Thank you very much for sharing. Now, Ed, I, I also like to learn uh, a little bit more because um, clearly email marketing and deliverability has changed um, leaps and bounds. Now, just fast forward a little bit from that time in 98, um, moving forward to the uh, disastrous event around 9-11 and what were you doing to help companies rebound from that, that, uh, that time? Yeah, at that time, I took what I learned using the autoresponder and then we started creating these uh, workflows for um, uh, mortgage brokers. Mm -hmm. And so we set up an entire uh, campaign flow and it, because they were terrible at following up with their customers. And I started presenting it, presenting it to them. The it worked extraordinarily well. All they had to do was just fill in a few things. Mm -hmm. And 
then they could follow up with their old customers, the people that were in the process of getting a loan, they communicated with them through the entire process. And it brought a lot of these people back to do refinances. And a lot of people don't realize it, but usually within about three to five years, the average person refinances their 15 or 30 year loan. And they didn't have a really good way of staying in front of those people for the three to five years it would take. Mm -hmm. But with the system we set up, they did, and it just, it, it really changed their business. We installed hundreds of, hundreds of those after 9-11. Since that time, um, clearly things have changed. We have so many different challenges in um, email deliverability, email marketing and the likes. I think from, uh, we, should, we should go down a step, go back to the fundamentals of what email deliverability actually means because i'm pretty sure that most of us know what it is but for those who don't i wonder if you can explain what email de deliverability actually means sure sure i will um the, the best way to do it is to explain the journey of an email i don't know if you ever heard or saw schoolhouse rock an old video that they used yes. to play okay back in the day my favorite one was i'm just a bill <laughs> uh, and how the bill wanted to become a law. Mm -hmm. Well, the same type of journey happens with email and the emails uh, wants to, wants to become, wants to get delivered and gets opened and read and ideally replied to or clicked on. So what happens is you first, you write the email and then you send it off to your mailbox provider, which could be uh, Gmail, uh, Outlook, AOL, Yahoo, and then from there it goes to a, a clearinghouse, which is called a SMTP. And from that, it, then it distributes the email out to the different uh, uh, email mailbox providers for your recipients. And once it distributes it, it distributes them to the recipients, mm -hmm. then it begins to look. It goes through a series of checks. Uh, the first check is it checks to make sure the signature is okay. And th those are called, it's actually three checks. There's a SMT, S, SPF, and then a DKIM, and mm -hmm. then a DMARC, which is an overall check. And consider it like what we go through now when we're um, logging into maybe your um, uh your bank online from a different location, you'll probably be asked to uh, provide uh, information that verifies that you are who you are. Yeah. And that's what uh, the email companies are doing. So that's the first check. Then the second check is it looks at the content of the email, looks at the subject line, it looks at the body copy to make sure there aren't any spam words there. The third check is it looks at the links to make sure there aren't any dangerous links in the email. The, the next check is it looks at your domain reputation to make sure that your domain is a solid domain. Then it looks at your open rate history in, in the past if people opened your emails or, or not. And finally, it looks at the ESP's reputation, meaning the autoresponder that you're sending it from, uh, internet service provider, and to make sure it's not coming from a dodgy neighborhood. If you pass all of those checks, then it'll deliver the email to your recipient's inbox. And none of that stuff happened 10 years, 20 years ago. Yeah, that's amazing. It's very complex when you look at it from that angle. And, um, you know, from a typical user's perspective, um, especially small to medium-sized business owners who are pr predominantly who are listening to today's call, um, how do they how do they know that um, their emails are even getting delivered? What are some of the things that they can do to get on the front foot and know more about this? 
Sure. Well, the first part is making sure you have your email uh, um, infrastructure set up properly. And that means having your signature verified. And that's one of the things that a lot of people don't do. And I'm, I must stress that this is for business email. Personal yeah. email usually goes through without any problem. And the reason why there's so many security checks for business emails is because, and a lot of people don't know this, there are over 300 billion emails sent every single day. Wow. which is a lot, That's 10 a billion every hour. Yeah. And 90% of those emails are spam. So the, the email providers really have aggressive filters for trying to, to filter out a lot of that spam. But unfortunately, what happens is a lot of valid emails get caught up in those spam traps and don't get delivered. So that very first the very first check of making sure that the signature is valid is the one that you have to make sure that you take care of the SPF and DKIM. And then uh, uh, DMARC is optional, but we can talk a little bit about DMARC later when we are talking about email security. And yeah. security is the biggest number one factor that the uh, email providers, email box providers look at. I often receive um, emails from from organizations that I know are reputable and they prompt me to um, whitelist them. What's what's that all about? What does that mean? And how does that help? Right. Well, whitelisting will help a lot because it tells the mailbox provider that your email is important. That's you're an important sender. So if you can whitelist the email, uh, meaning that you put them in your uh, address book, that will help a lot. One of the other things that you can do is ask them to put your email in a special folder. Mm -hmm. uh, those are easy to, to, to do on almost any uh, mailbox provider. And again, that just lets the mailbox provider know that these are important emails. So the email marketing services and the CRMs of the world obviously have uh, lots to contend with in terms of um, laws that surround, um, I guess, email sender behavior. Um, what, what are some of the things that um, people should be aware of in relation to the law? Well, it's mainly the Can Spam Act. Uh, you have to let people know if you have business email how to opt out of your email. The other thing that you really want to do in, in the United States, you can uh, buy email lists. And it's really the only place I believe in the world that you're allowed to do that. Uh, anywhere else, and you can also harvest email lists if uh, you're from the United States. And that's not considered spam as long as it's a business-to-business -business email and you provide the ability for somebody to opt out. Now, if you're in other countries, most other countries require that you have an opt-in. You can't just harvest people's email addresses. They have to opt in through a list. So you have to have a landing page. Uh, you have to have terms of service and privacy policy clearly listed and the ability to opt out of those emails. A lot of our email service providers are also requiring that they double Op, double verify so mm -hmm. they're double opting in and that can hurt email open that can help hurt your opt-in rates in fact um as high as 80 percent of the people will not double opt-in so you really have to make sure early on that you're letting people know that they're going to have to double opt-in to get uh, access to your emails and give them some incentive to do so there's a lot to learn. This could be very deep and very wide, this conversation. The more you talk, the more doors and questions come to the fore, don't they? 
Yeah, unfortunately, it, it's gotten a lot more complex, but it, it really is worth it because email has a better ROI than anything else. In fact, it's four times higher than any other form of marketing, including social media. So it's well worth pursuing. I was going to ask you about that because it's been around for a long time and I hear that, you know, the mur- the mumbles in social media that, you know, email marketing is dead and forget about it. And, you know, now it's all video and there's no, op- all this stuff. So clearly that's not the case. Now, um, when, we're, when we're starting out in a business and we want to do email marketing, um, what are the steps that somebody should be looking at? Do they just have a Gmail? Do they go to a CRM? Is there a process that you would take people through? Yeah, if you are starting a business and you're looking to set up business email, the first thing you want to do is look at a a system for getting the emails out. You don't want to send them out one by one. So you want to look at either some sort of autoresponder and you want to look for a service to host your mail. And for most business mail, you're looking at G Suites or you're looking at uh, Outlook. And of the two, I recommend Outlook because Gmail, which is very popular, over 80% of all emails are Gmail accounts. Uh, Gmail does have some deliverability problems, even going to other Gmail accounts. There's a handful of things that occur because there's so many people that use Gmail that they're they are on blacklist anywhere at any given time they're on between one to three different blacklists Mm -hmm. and so many of the other mailbox providers will block those emails from time to time Uh, what we found was that when trying to email from gmail to outlook uh, almost every single time those emails were blocked so We've used and encouraged people to use Outlook. Outlook has great deliverability, even to Gmail accounts. You'll, if you're having problems getting your emails delivered, uh, let's say 60% of them not getting delivered, it'll automatically, you'll automatically get them delivered through uh, Outlook. So this is a bit different than what I understand traditionally would happen. You'd have a, for example, a website domain name, and then you inside of your hosting service, you would set up emails. Yeah, you're yes. suggesting to use external services like Microsoft um, Mail as well, or Gmail Suite instead of coming through your website hosting to run your email. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And the the bad, the the unfortunate thing about that is once you set your email uh, provider or email system up on one of those two, all of your emails have to go through those. So in the past, when you had your website, you'd have free email. And now if you want to get your emails delivered, you're going to want to use one of those two providers. Now, I, it, it comes on to the point now where I'm thinking you, you see a lot of, well, I see a lot of products that um, claim to be able to um, filter and check emails before they go like a third party intervention if you like somebody sends you an email then it's already then it's checked before it goes on to your uh, email marketing system is, is that a good thing to be doing to have in, inside of your process i i would i would if you can you either you're going to have to do double opt-in mm-hmm. or if you can get away with doing single opt-in you're going to want to verify that those emails that are being uh, inserted in the opt-in form are valid because if you start getting a lot of bounces because you've had bad emails it's going to hurt your sender reputation which is ultimately going to hurt your ability to get your emails delivered yeah again there's such so much to think about here and i noticed on your bio you were talking about for every dollar you could earn upwards of 38 dollars how is that possible 
Yeah, that's true. And a lot of people don't realize how high the ROI is on email, but it, it isn't that high for a lot of people because they haven't set up a cer- some certain things. One thing they need to set up is automation. Mm-hmm. Uh, automation is going to segment those those emails into groups where, let's say, uh, you have a, um, um, a site on uh, dog training and you've got uh, puppies so, so people may opt in that have pot puppies mm-hmm. people may opt in opt in that have dogs they just adopted that are older yeah. uh, somebody might have a, a, a had a dog for quite a while and say you know it's time that we figure out how to uh, get this dog to behave a little bit better so those are kind of three separate groups and you can't have the same message going to all of those groups so once you segment those groups into three different groups and you're emailing specifically to the ones that have a problem that uh, uh, send an email specifically to ones that will solve a specific problem, then you're going to see your open rates go up because now they're looking at an email that is really relevant to them and ideally timely. And we can talk more about some of the other ways that you can get your uh, a higher return on investment. But what we found is when you do that, you're going to see much, much higher uh, open rates, somewhere in the vicinity of 50, 60, even 70 percent. Wow. Where normally and even I've even seen 80 plus percent when we segment properly versus the average being around 20 percent. So now all of a sudden you're looking at up to a 400 percent increase in your ROI just by doing that alone. I'd love to talk more about email marketing, email marketing strategy, but I think we should go back to security now because I think that's something that's um, very important in the bigger scheme of things. Let's start talking about all of these, uh, you know, DMARC and everything else you started talking about a little deeper. Okay. Well, the first two security checks that people do are SPF and DKIM. Please don't ask me to tell you what the <laughs> acronyms mean. I always get them confused. Yeah, I would tell you. <laughs> they, yeah, it's, it's not really, it's not, uh, doesn't seem like it's English sometimes. <laughs> but those two, those two checks are designed to verify that the emails are coming from the person who's sending them. And that's really important considering how many websites and, and email addresses are hacked and uh, the and spoof. So it looks like you're sending an, somebody else is sending an email yeah. from you and they're trying to get your personal information, which is called a phishing expedition or, or a phishing attack. And so those two help with that, but it's the third one, which is DMARC, which double checks to make sure that the SPF and DKIM records are valid. And, and then if that's the case, there's the action taken. What I, what I, the way I like to explain it is like this. Imagine you have a security system in your home. Well, imagine you're trying to secure your home. Mm-hmm. And SPF is like locking your windows. DKIM is like locking your doors. But if you forget to lock your doors and windows, then you have a security system which tells you, hey, you forgot to lock your windows or you forgot to lock your doors. Or if somebody happens, if somebody aggressive who's really motivated that wants to get in your house will break through the door, then with DKIM, the alarm goes off, the police are called, they arrive, they handcuff the, the the person take them away without anyone getting hurt that's what dki uh, dmark does 
it it will either block an email from being sent if one of those two security, whether SPF or DKIM, is not validated, or it will I'll let you know that hey, uh, somebody's breaking into your email, or they'll just totally block them. That yeah. None of the emails will get through. They'll be rejected, or they'll be put in quarantine. The house analogy is one that's very easy to understand and uh, recall. So thank you very much for sharing. I've, I've seen DKM and DMARC and all of these codes inside of uh, the likes of Amazon Simple Email Service, SES. And what do you yes. think of that particular service in terms of its robustness? Uh, I, I like the service. There, there are an awful lot of them that are out there. Mm -hmm. uh, I'd say um, there's a lot of general type services that are out there. And then there are industry specific services that are out there that provide more automation, more specific automation, depending upon your industry. So when you're looking at those services, I would look not only at the larger ones, I would look at the industry specific ones too, because there are a lot of those that are popping up. I see also um, a lot of software that's coming out nowadays for um, self-hosting um, email automation and things like that on, say, a WordPress website. W what's your take on those? Are those uh, useful? Are they dangerous? Should you stay away from them? Or? Well, they're, the attractive part of those is that they're affordable. The, the problem with those is that it lends itself to abuse. And so uh, be, because a lot of them uh, don't require that you do double opt-ins, uh, that you can just add people to your list as, as much as you want. And they either have um, a shared IP. So if you're on that same IP with everybody else, uh, your reputation is hurt. It's kind of like what happens with Gmail. They do not have the ability to do a private IP or your own custom IP so that no one can hurt your domain reputation. But I would, I would stay away from those and I would use some of the bigger services. I know they cost a fair amount of money now for 20 years ago, they were pretty cheap, but now yeah. they're getting a bit more expensive, but it doesn't matter how good your email is or what you're trying to sell or how persuasive it is if it doesn't get delivered. This is about ethics and process, isn't it? It's about having the right mindset to how you treat emails, isn't it? It really is. It's it's changed quite a bit. And if you do all the right things, it's really profitable. And when you mentioned 38%, I mean, 3,800% return mm. on your investment, that's really a benchmark uh, for email if you're doing all the things right. If you go beyond that, and what we like to think is terms of when we work with people, the, the 3,800%, the making a making $38 for every dollar spent is, is, is average. It's, if you're in school, it's like getting a C. Imagine you're at a PTA meeting and you're talking to some other parent and um, they ask you about, well, who's your son? And say, well, he's Johnny and how's he doing in school? We're so proud of him. He's a solid C student. Right? That's not something <laughs> that you would be very proud of. No. And that's the benchmark. That's yeah. the average. Yeah. It's, it's not hard to get um, uh, 4,400%, 5,800%. We've, we've seen as much as uh, $68, $70, $70 for every dollar spent on email. That's uh, really interesting news for a lot of people that I'm sure are listening to this now. Um, email marketing is effectively um, relationship marketing. Um, I, I'm wondering, how do you talk to somebody uh, it, does the way you talk on, on the page in your emails make a difference to um, open rates? It, it really does. You have to look at 
email is a one-to-one communication as if you're talking to a friend. Mm -hmm. So you don't want to use language that you wouldn't talk to uh, use when you're talking to a friend. It has to be uh, persuasive, but tempered. Um, you, you can't be over the top because then you're starting to use what's what are called or considered spam trigger words mm-hmm. and the email just isn't going to get delivered. It'll end up in a promotional box, which most people really don't look at very often or a spam folder, which hardly anyone looks there unless they're, unless they were told, Hey, go look in your spam folder to see if the email is there. Does the message length um, play a part to this or can it be as long as it needs to be to communicate the message? Really, it can be as long as it needs to be. Um, you just want to make sure that you're not rambling. You want to be uh, very specific. Uh, what I do when, when we're writing emails is we'll first we'll write the email and then we just ruthlessly begin to edit it. Everything that, that it is redundant or uh, doesn't really need to be said or could be said in a more concise way, we go back and we rewrite our emails. And that really works. It, it, you could take an email and cut it in half if you go through that editing process. I know that there's a skill to writing and being persuasive in writing. They call it copywriting, but do you need to be a copywriter to get good at writing emails? No, not really. It's, it's really just... Um, more than anything else is is sounding real and genuine and talking as if you would if, to somebody else. Fantastic. This is a great insight. Thank you so very much for sharing. Now, um, I often receive emails from people that I want to hear from. I've opted in and I've said, yes, I want to hear from you. But sometimes it's a little bit too much. Is there a balance between the, you know, is it one a day, two a day, one a week? What's the frequency? Yeah, I, a, lot of, a lot of people end up over sending emails. And what we found when we're working with people is that they will actually reach out to us because their email open rates are falling off a cliff. And we had one client where the email open rates were, I think he was running around 20 to 25%. And then within a period of a week, it dropped down to under 2%. And and so his solution to that, which is the solution that most marketers would probably do, is he just sent more emails out. Instead of them sending out once or twice or three times a week, he was sending them out every day and then twice a day, which was hurting his reputation and making things even worse. And it wasn't very long before uh, he would be at zero, that none of his emails would get through. So the first thing that we did was tell, told him, all right, you, first you want to segment your list and your man list, you only want to mail them once a week and that's it. That's it. Then if they're in a segmented part of your list, they're looking for very specific information. You can email those people a couple of times a week. So they may be get, getting three total. They may be on the main list and on the segmented list, but we don't email more often than that because it's just becomes noise and a, a hindrance. And you'll see not only your open rates drop, but people getting annoyed because they're just getting too many emails from you. When I see an email, um, oftentimes I feel compelled to open it because of the title. Um, then I only, then I open it only to find that I've been clickbaited. Um, I guess, uh, what does that actually mean and how important are the, the headlines in your email openings? 
Right. And so with yeah, clickbaiting is, is something that the mailbox providers will actually see and trigger. It's using this kind of over the, over the top or salesy language mm -hmm. just to get someone to open up the email. Uh, what you want to do, because the, the subject line and the first sentence of the email uh, will get you the, the biggest bang for your buck as far as open rates. 33% mm -hmm. of people will open an email just based solely on the subject, subject line and the first sentence. So you, you want to keep those relatively short. In fact, the Twitter effect goes into uh, effect here where you want to keep it to about 140 characters because that's what people are used to seeing. So, and then the other thing that we do is when you get into the body of the, the email, we try to keep the sentences and paragraphs at somewhere around 140 characters. So people are just chunking down as they're reading it. It's just like they're, they're used to on social media, seeing short sentences uh, in 140 characters or less. Again, the Twitter effect. We lack attention span nowadays, don't we? We're very busy. <laughs> too much time to spend on it. I, I often see emails also, Ed, that uh, contain um, weird looking links like Bitly or something like that. That doesn't build trust. Is there a better way to put email links in, uh, like links to other things and your offers and the likes uh, without seeming, you know, dodgy? Right, right. And well, usually what we do is we will either have a specific domain that we can redirect people to a specific link, or we have uh, links going back to our own website. And then from there, we'll link out to um, what other uh, website that we're linking to, but you want to have custom domains if you possibly can. And then, uh, then you're linking from that custom domain out to another website. So if, uh, you know, you have a, a test business, let's call it testbusiness.com, you want to have admin at testbusiness.com. Is that what we're saying about in terms of custom emails? Yeah, well, it, it would be, it would be that, well, as far as the, the links in the emails, it might be, um, customdomain.com backslash uh, ed. Yeah. When, if, they're, if you're sending them to my website as opposed to uh, a link that goes directly to my site. Or if you know that that's a, a domain that is safe, it's not on any blacklist, it, it hasn't, uh, it, there's no red flags, it's perfectly fine. Find a link out to somebody else's site in your email. You're a wealth of knowledge. Now, I wonder when, um, when somebody approaches you, Ed, um, is there a process that you, you go through? Is there a, a, is there a particular, uh, I guess, business group that you're focusing on serving? Well, we are, right now we're looking at working with coaches, but uh, entrepreneurs, coaches, um, business owners. We work with a lot of uh, uh, agencies because they're doing a lot of cold email and they're having their, a lot of times having a difficult time getting their emails delivered. And then uh, e-commerce companies who have big email lists that will, uh, because they have a big email list, a lot of times their emails aren't getting through. They're going into spam or maybe mm -hmm. going to the promotional folder and their email open rates drop. So when we work with companies like that, we can see a pretty significant increase in ROI uh, pretty quickly, um, almost instantly, in fact. But a lot of our clients that we work with, they typically see uh, a, a high return on investment. They've made their money back from whatever they spent with us within 48 hours. 
uh, it happens just that fast. And it's one of the reasons why I love email open rate optimization so much. It's fantastic. Now, when people want to work with you, they will find you at what web address and what is the actual process for onboarding? Sure. It's uh, email open rate optimization.com. Uh, if people would like, in fact, uh, we do have um, um, a, a checklist, which I recommend that people take a look at. It's for getting, it's 27 different ways to get off, uh, to get out of the uh, Gmail promotional tab. Yeah. So it, Gmail is 85% of all emails that are out there. And if you can stay out of the promotional tab you shared in the checklist, uh, really will help you do that. And you can get that at higher open rates dot com forward slash rec higher open rates.com forward slash rec there you go fantastic so for everybody who's on the call i will be making all of these links available below this video window no matter where you see or hear this uh, interview you will find the links back to ed and his wonderful team at email open rate optimization.com ed it's been such a wonderful treat talking about email uh, optimization with you on the my future business show today Thank you so much, Rick. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the call, then make sure to subscribe, leave a comment, share us with your friends, and book your spot on the show at myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. And if you're looking for solutions that will help grow your business, then visit myfuturebusiness.com forward slash shop.